Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team all right good evening welcome in Vern's hot stove on your home for Royals baseball 610 sports radio Jackson Kowar former top pick of the Royals from that much heralded class of 2018 he'll join us coming up in five minutes Whit Merrifield stops by at 625 but let's get right to it. Let's start with the five biggest stories at Royals spring training before we get to Jackson Kowar. Uh, and just quickly, the, the fifth biggest story, um, RV, what appears to be very few position battles this year in surprise. It's backup infielder, backup catcher, an additional outfielder, you know, Edward Olivares, uh, Nick Heath, Kyle Isbell. So three bench spots. And two bullpen spots and everyone, fans, media, front office, organization, everyone rooting for Wade Davis to earn one of those two bullpen spots. The fourth biggest story at Royal Spring Training, in my opinion, is the bullpen. And how much confidence should we have in that bullpen? How much confidence should the front office have in that bullpen? Because Greg Holland is their best reliever, right? Greg Holland is the reliever that you have the most confidence in for 2021, right? I mean, it's either Greg Holland or Scott Barlow. Those are the two acceptable answers in my, in my mind. Jesse Hahn, Josh Stallmont, I'd love to go there. But I can't anoint them as the best in the pen just yet. I need more than just a 60-game sprint. Hahn and Stallmont were brilliant last year, but I need a little bit more. Uh, is that enough? Is that enough for you to be confident in the bullpen? Is that enough for Mike Matheny to be confident in the bullpen? Is that enough for Dayton Moore to be confident in the bullpen? You're not getting Trevor Rosenthal. He signs with Oakland earlier today, a one-year, $11 million deal. The third biggest story at Royal Spring Training is the word I just mentioned, confidence. This is an organization, top to bottom right now, overflowing with confidence. The owner is spending money, confident that the moves being made are going to be worth his capital. The front office is bringing in winners, confident that they're joining a clubhouse with a foundation of winning. Guys like Witt and Sal. Mike Matheny, so on and so forth. The manager, 
that dude oozes confidence. And the players, they're ready. Young and old alike. Salvador Perez looks amazing. Brady Singer, ready to go. The second biggest storyline, and this guy is going to be either the biggest or second biggest storyline all season, Adalberto Mondesi. <laughs> I know it's only pitchers and catchers right now, but this dude once again holds the keys to the Royals' ability to win, to prove the confidence I alluded to moments ago, to prove that confidence correct, to justify that confidence. He's the only player that has the ability to be this team's best defender, best base runner, and the best hitter. He's a game changer. He's a season changer. But the biggest story at Royal Spring Training, once again, to start it off, for a second straight year, it is the young pitching. Names like Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, Asa Lacey, Daniel Lynch, and our next guest joining us now, Royals right-handed pitcher Jackson Kowar. Jackson, thank you very much for the time tonight. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. So set the scene for us out there. Uh, many people listening have been to Royal Spring Training before, have observed you guys from afar. How different are the days as you're now in your uh, third camp, second big league camp? Yeah, it's definitely been a little bit of an adjustment. I think the biggest help was having having last, last season where we kind of got used to the protocols at least a little bit. Um, so we're used to a little bit of the way it goes, but it's definitely different out here in AZ. You know, it's kind of one of those times where fresh off the offseason, you kind of want to get in the same room and everyone get around each other and catch up. And so it's been a little bit different from, from that standpoint as we're still a little spread out. But I think everyone's just excited to be back to at least some sort of normalcy, getting your spikes on, getting outside and, and, and getting back to baseball. I think everyone's pretty pumped to not be, not be cooped up. Does it feel let me put it this way. When does it feel normal? Does the clubhouse feel normal? Do the drills on the field feel normal? I think the first thing that felt normal was getting out there and covering first for my first PSP. That was the first time I was like, all right, we're back. Right. Um, the clubhouse is obviously a little separated and there's a lot of protocols and, and our, our staff does a really good job of making sure everything's set up. So we have, as you know, we can stay as safe as we can in there. But once we get our spikes on to get out in the field, I think that's when everything kind of starts to settle in and, you start, you know, getting used to being around the guys again. And that's, that's when it's all setting in is when we're throwing our sides and, and doing our PSPs and stuff. Speaking of getting around the guys again, what, what's the living situation like this year in Surprise? I think we're all, we're all spread out. I'm, in, I'm down in Goodyear, uh, hiding out. Got, got a little bit of a commute, which I don't mind. So uh, we live with Daniel Lynch. And so we're, uh, I think, our third straight camp together. So got a good little crew out here. And, uh, we're definitely enjoying it. The weather, we're, we're enjoying the weather, that's for sure. I'm sitting outside, I think it's like 72 and sunny right now. Nobody wants we're to hear that. that. No, nobody in Kansas City wants to hear about <laughs> wants to hear about that right now. But you mentioned you, you and Daniel Lynch living with one another. Man, I brought up you and Daniel earlier today to Mike Matheny, and he talked about how obvious the maturation is uh, in the both of you. Uh, so let's just talk about you. Um, what do you think he's talking about? Have you seen a maturation in either yourself or just in your abilities? Yeah, I think for sure. I think one of the things that I've noticed this year right off the bat is just how much more comfortable I am. You know, I, I 
being around the staff, being around the big league staff, the big league guys for a second year, just coming into camp and knowing what to expect, knowing a lot more people, knowing the clubhouse guys, those little things like that make it just that much easier to be comfortable. And then I think last year, just, you know, going through, be on the alt site, getting around big league hitters, facing a lot of big league hitters that, you know, I think just naturally that causes your game to grow. You start learning it's, it gets tough up here, and there's, and there's definitely parts of our game that I think a lot of us that were at that ultimate site were able to pick up on, all right, here's what it takes to make that next jump. And I think that was, it was a good experience for all of us. I think this offseason was productive for, for a good bit of us because we kind of had that, all right, this is what it looks like when you get up there, and, and this is the things I need to really you know, key in on this offseason. So I was able to address a lot of those little things, and it's been, uh, it's been fun. I'm, I'm ready to get rolling. What was the message from the team heading into the offseason? Where did they want your focus? Uh, I mean, I think as far as the pitching staff goes, I think everyone knows we have a bunch of really good young arms, and it's, I think the message was next year is going to be really competitive. I mean, there's a lot of guys trying to make the club right now, and I think um, that's exciting because, you know, it sounds cliche and cheesy and you say all you want, but it really is. You know, iron sharpens iron. And um, when you come to camp and you know there's going to be a bunch of not only veteran guys but young guys really hungry, I think it makes for a good environment and a good camp for everyone because you know there's, there's you know, a, a lot of guys going up for the same spots. Speaking of that competition, they bring in Mike Miner. We already know about Danny Duffy and Brad Keller and then, of course, your draft classmates that made their debut last year in Brady and Chris. Um, when you see, I just named five starting pitchers right there and, and most teams – deploy a five-man starting rotation how do you avoid feeling defeated when you walk into camp and there's already five big league starting pitchers doing what you want to do yeah I mean I think there's a sense that we're all probably a little bit delusional in the fact that we all believe that we you know should be starting pitchers so I think I think all of us are a little crazy in that sense of where we don't really pay attention to the numbers sometimes as much as we should I think I think I'm confident in my ability, and I, I want to make the club as a starter. But that being said, there's really nothing you can do besides go out there and, and play your game and, and do what you can. I think, you know, the less time I spend worrying about that and the better, I think I think everybody does that. As long as I think, you know, a lot of us, especially the young guys, have been around each other long enough. It's no surprise, but we didn't sneak up on us. It wasn't like we didn't all know in the minor leagues yeah. this was going to be a scenario. So it's not something that really snuck up on us, but I think, we all do a really good job of understanding this is the business and there's no malicious. Hey, we all want it. We all want those jobs, but there's no reason we can't all, you know, help each other along the way. So I think we've, we've done a really good job, especially as the young guys of being able to, Hey, we understand that there's only a couple spots, but um, there's no reason we had to get nasty about it. So I think we do a good job with that. Royals righty Jackson Kowar, member of that 2018 draft class with us here, Vern's hot stove, the, uh, season debut on 610 Sports Radio. Um, y- you mentioned we all want to be starters. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, your stuff would play well out of the bullpen as well, correct? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think if you talk to anybody in camp, we're, whatever role they, they want to put you in, I think we're all game for anything. So um, there's there's certainly more than just five guys in the pitching staff. So I don't think anyone's going to object to making the club anyway. Um uh-huh. You know, I, I'm preparing right now as a starter, but I think any pitching coach or any manager will tell you there's a lot of different ways to make a club, and I don't think I would, me or anyone else would object to any way to be on that club. When you watch two members of your draft class debut in 2020 in Brady and Chris, what did that do for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, one, it, it's, 
it's nice to see, I mean, just as friends with both those guys, I was obviously fired up for them. And then second, I think they both had a good deal of success. I think that's more encouraging than anything. I said, hey, you know, we're, it can be our time. There's no reasons that we can't, a guy like me or, or Daniel or any of our guys can't go up there and, and make a big difference and win for the club. So I think, you know, besides just being happy for the guys, I think, you know, seeing that, hey, it's, it's getting our time and, and getting a little excitement. So last year at the secondary site over at T-Bones camp, uh, Matheny was talking about how uh, you and Daniel and some of the other pitchers, you guys got an opportunity to really see how your stuff plays against big league hitters. What did you learn about yourself, your ability, and if indeed it does play at the big league level? Yeah, I mean, I think the good news for me was, and like you said, it was awesome because we had you know big league guys coming down at rehab, and we'd have Solaire and, and Salvi and guys like that come down to get at bats when they were coming back from little you know injuries or whatnot. And so you get a chance to see what what your stuff does against the best hitters in the game. And so I mean, the, the encouraging thing for me was I felt like when I threw the ball well, um, it's the same game and my stuff played. It's just kind of like I alluded to earlier, the margin of error just gets really really thin at the top, and I think that's. For me, that's encouraging. Hey, like, you know, I, my stuff is going to play. It's just a matter of tightening it up and being more consistent is really the next jump for me. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was a really good experience for a lot of us because there's just, you know, even in the minor league side, you're just not going to get those opportunities to face those guys as much. So I was I was really happy for that opportunity, and uh, it was very much encouraging to see that I can I can compete at that level. Is, is your key to consistency more... Uh, mechanical, physical, or or is it the mental side of the game and those those battles that are constantly happening happening in this game? Yeah, I think mean, it's a little bit of probably a fifty fifty split as far as hey, just being consistent with my mechanics and my delivery, but also being consistent every day in day out the yard. I think the more I've gotten around some of the older guys that we have and that are really successful, the more it's obvious why they're successful. It's no secret. When, when starting pitchers are super consistent off the field and, and with all that they do at the field, it, it correlates to on the mound. So I think um, being consistent in both aspects is, is for me, equally important. So it's uh, it's been really fun, especially developing relationships with some of the older pitchers. And even a guy like Brad, who's not necessarily older than me, but just has experience, being able to pick those guys' brains is, is invaluable. When it comes to those matchups that you would have at the secondary site with a Solaire or a Salvi, does one stand out as far as a lesson learned from um, in an eight, nine, ten pitch battle with someone that's put up numbers at the big league level? I think the the one that stuck out in my head the most was I think it was my probably it was like in July when we first got in there, so it was still I guess it was whatever they call it, the second spring training or I'm not yeah. summer camp or whatever. Sure, they tagged it, and I think the second batter I faced was Gordo, and I felt like I threw a really good really good pitch and he he kind of hung in there and fought it off and then I hung a change up and he, and, he, and he had a base hit it was like a two strike count and I was like okay so that's the difference right there it's not a good quality pitch isn't always going to be you know a punch out and it, you, it just just those little things like that like against a guy like Alex Gordon who's obviously you know battled up there and been up there forever so I think that was the one that stuck out it was like my second batter face where kind of a little green light went off and went up oh, you know, just one good pitch per at bat or one good two strike pitch isn't always going to be enough about being consistent. So, lessons like that for me have been invaluable and, and, and stuck with me all off season. 
Speaking of that, that changeup, is, is that still the number one? Give me, a, give me a scouting report of where Jackson Coar is heading into 2021. Yeah, I mean, the changeups, it's, uh, it's been my go-to pitch since I was a little kid. And, and so for me, you know, keeping that has, has, always, been, has always been nice. But the, the, the developmental piece for me will be, you know, commanding my fastball a little better and developing that third pitch. And so those are obviously two things I've been keying in on the last two years. And it's been nice. You know, I've been, this is now my second spring training around Cal, our pitching coach. So being able to kind of speak the same language and just the more I've been around him and, and we're kind of starting to get on the same page and make a few little, just little adjustments here and there that have really been, um, have been helpful, especially this off season and going into the season. So I'm, I'm excited about both where my fastball command and my breaking ball are at right now to uh, go with my changeup. So it's, it's an exciting time. Jackson Kowar with us on 610 Sports Radio. Just a couple more questions. Um, you, you may have, may have not, uh, but you probably saw the reaction that this fan base had to the debuts for Brady, for, for Chris, uh, the, the embrace that the Royals fan base gave to them and is, is waiting and are waiting to give to you and Daniel Lynch. Um, as you look towards 2021, how are you when it comes to setting goals? Are you one to say, if I don't make it to the big leagues in 2021, I'll be disappointed? Uh, I mean, I think for me, the goal is to, is to make the club. Um, but, you know, that being said, there's a lot of factors that I can't control. I mean, um, you, you know, you put trust in the organization that they're going to put me in a good spot. So, I mean, you know, it sounds cliche or, you know, player speak, but you really only can control, you know, what I can control and go throw the ball well and, and, you know, the goal is to make the club. But at the end of the day, I, I, it's not really my decision. It's, um, you, know, I, you know, I trust the guys in the front office and their track record when, when the time's right, the time's right. So I can really just go out there and throw the ball well and, and then uh, let the rest take care of itself. That's the attitude you have to have uh, because, yeah. you know, you, you start putting too much pressure and then you start pressing and it turns into a um, – a, a lost season. I mean, you say it sounds cliche and a lot of people listening might say it is cliche, but man, that's the only way to get through this game it is, is day by day, pitch by pitch, batter by batter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and we're all human beings. It's not like we, we obviously, we know that that's our goal and that's where we want to be, but it's in the daily habits and in the, in the day to day where you kind of make those games and, and we're able to, you know, just get a little bit better. And, and then the rest, like I said, you know, it's no, our front office has done a really good job of developing young players and, and winning players. So um, we're in, in a really good spot with those guys and, and their track record of bringing up guys when it's time. So um, just trusting those guys to, you know, and, and take care of me and put me in the best spot. Jackson, final thing for you. Um, Jay Binkley, one of the hosts here at 610 Sports Radio, is a big SEC football fan. He's adopted the SEC for all sports. And mm-hmm. with, with you and Brady, with, Wit and now the addition of uh, Andrew Benatendi, you guys got quite a bit of SEC representation in that clubhouse. When it comes to baseball, is there SEC pride or is it Florida and to hell with everyone else? Uh, I mean, I, I take a ton of pride in the league. I think, I mean, I tell people all the time, it's me being able to pitch on the weekend in the SEC prepared me better than anything I could have done for professional baseball, just as far as. I know I have 10 straight starts against really, really, really quality opponents and a bunch of professional baseball players. I, I think there's, there's no league like it. And so for me, I take a lot of pride in the league. I know now granted, I think 
I'm always going to be a Florida guy, but I, I'm, I think playing in that league, and I think anyone that has played in that league, it's, 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 it's a different animal. And I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill as far as the stadiums, the venues, the fan bases, the atmospheres, and most importantly, the players. I just think there's, there's, no, there's no, nothing better than amateur baseball than that. And I think anyone that's played in that league will tell you the same. And, and I, was, I was blessed um, to be able to you know, play at Florida for three years. And like I said, I, there's nothing that could have prepared me for professional baseball more than, than playing in the FCC. And then as far as you know, football and all that goes, it's, that kind of speaks for itself. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, well, another SEC guy, Whit Merrifield, coming up in just a few moments. Jackson, very generous with your time this evening. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, stay healthy, stay working, and uh, we can't wait to see you at Kauffman Stadium, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Appreciate it. There you go. That is uh, Jackson Kowar joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. Vern's Hot Stove is back with Whit Merrifield right after this. Welcome back. Vern's Hot Stove on 610 Sports Radio, your home for Royals baseball. In the history of Royals baseball, there are only 33 players with at least 2,000 at-bats. Only 14 of them have stolen more than 100 bases. And only four of them in the history of the Royals have a better OPS than our next guest, Whit Merrifield. Johnny Damon, Hal McCray, and then a pair of Hall of Famers in George Brett and Carlos Beltran. Whit Merrifield joins us now on 610 Sports Radio. Does that mean anything to you, Whit? Um, I mean, I feel like it just means that I got a job lined up for 2021. 20, <laughs> <laughs> it's just numbers, and, you know, I... I think at the end of my career, I'll be able to look back and, and appreciate some numbers. But uh, as of right now, it's, this is kind of the, the, the last thing on my mind. Mike Matheny talked about a, a, a buzz around camp. Do you feel it? D- does it feel different than previous camps? Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not in camp yet, so I, um, I, don't, I don't get to feel mm. that buzz quite yet. My our in, uh, position player intake testing doesn't happen until the – 20th so um but from talking to some pitchers and, and catchers that are that are there their guys are excited and i'm looking forward to getting in the locker room and getting around my guys well then what message has ownership sent you in that clubhouse and and what message has the front office sent to you and the rest of that clubhouse with the kind of off season that your team put together it's exciting it's always exciting when you see um, the people at the top doing things in their power uh, to make our team better. And, uh, you know, we, we go out and, and, and fight every day and, and, and we're, we're out there to win games. And that's the bottom line. When you get to the big league level, that's, there's nothing else than, than winning. There's no, there's no other objective. And um, to, to see that echoed from, our front office and from our ownership is a breath of fresh air in this league. And it's awesome to see. It's rare um, to see at this point, which is kind of sad um, for our league, but it's awesome to see our ownership reflect what we're trying to do as players, as coaches, and uh, from a front office standpoint. So we're, we're fired up. We, we feel like we've made some, as players, we, uh, we're excited about the guys that we've signed. And I know, coaching staff and I think the front office is excited as well. 
You mentioned, uh, I mean, I when, when you guys traded for Andrew Benatendi, it's it's just amazing that hey, the Royals are trying to win. What what a, what a novel concept. I, like you mentioned, man, I, I wish more teams were as aggressive. We're trying to reward their fans and players like you and Salvi that have been grinding away over the past few years. Um, are, are you dreading next offseason regarding all of that, that labor nonsense that is likely forthcoming? Uh, yes, to uh, to be pretty frank with you. Um, it's just it's going to be it's going to be a fight just like anything else. It's going to be a negotiation, a back and forth. And, um, you know, it's, it's, if, if COVID has caused anything, it's, it's probably not going to be as smooth as it should be. Um, but you never know. You never know things. We, we, we could as players put something on the table that ownership feels is, is something that uh, we can work towards and, you know, hopefully we're not far apart. We can, we can get this thing uh, figured out because, you know, it's, it, it's important that we're playing. It's important that we play baseball for our fans, um, for the growth of the game. So I'm hoping it's not going to be as, as, as tough as people are expecting it to be. Whit Merrifield with us on 610 Sports Radio, Royals, All-Star Outfielder, infielder, Mr. Do-Everything. Um, speaking of the outfield, um, two new outfielders in, in Michael A. Taylor and Andrew Benatendi. H- how long, if at all, how, how long does it take in outfield um, to, to gel as far as the communication? Is that something that is taken care of in spring training? I think it's just a, sort of a uh, comfort level of um, knowing the center fielder, knowing what kind of ground he's going to cover, uh, knowing the routes he wants to take. Does he want to? Does he want to cut in on balls in the gap, or is he going to? Is he going to uh, trust me to cut that ball off in right center, whoever or whoever's playing right field, and um, and is he going to back up? So I mean, it's just certain little things that don't, doesn't take a, a whole lot a, a lot of time to figure out. And I'm looking forward to working. Uh, with Michael when I'm when I'm playing the outfield and um, and getting a feel for him because I think he's an incredible athlete. Um, I've gotten to see him play a little bit. Obviously, he's been in the other league, so we haven't seen him a whole lot. But what I have seen is he's a crazy athlete, and I'm excited he's on our team. With something that I've noticed um, in in really all sports, a lot of great players at times they search for slights, someone doubting them, search for add-in motivation. You seem like one of those great players. You seem like you're cut from that cloth. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what are you out to I, prove I this year then? Well, I definitely agree. I mean, it's, people, people phrase it in, uh, in the wrong way from my point of view, um, it's not about proving the people that, you know, say, oh, well, you know, he's 32, he's going to have a decline, his speed is going to go down, he can't do this, he can't hit for power, he can't do all that. It's not about that. It's about, to me, it's about proving the people right that are in my corner and that believe in me and that trust me 
and that run me out there every day and let me play 162 and believe in me um, to hit lead off and do all these things is about proving them right. Um, so I'm just, you know, it's I'm out to continue to, to try to get better. I'm out to get better every single year, and I think the more you play this game, if you're approaching it with an open mind and a willingness, a willingness to adjust and be a good self-evaluator, there's no reason you can't get better every single year. And that's that's where I'm at. I've worked hard this winter um, to improve my flexibility. Uh, I've thrown more than I have in the past uh, with the anticipa- anticipation of playing more outfield. I'm trying to get my outfield arm sort of back. I used to have a pretty good outfield arm when I was in college, and then uh, it shortened up over the years. But I'm trying to get that that outfield arm back and um, just do little things to improve my game, and um, hopefully that'll help us win more games and and play late in the year when it's a little a little more chilly. So when it comes to your off season focus or your off season training. Is it is it the same as years previous? You just keep adding to it, or does it change drastically year to year? Um, it just depends. I, I feel really good with where my swing is uh, mechanically. I haven't done much to that over the past really four years. So from a hitting standpoint, it doesn't change a lot. I um, I'm not a big drill guy. I uh, I. I do some. I hit off the tee. I make sure my hands are working properly and watch the ball flight. And make sure that's going right. And then I take a lot of batting practice from my dad. He's. Uh, I'm fortunate to have him throw to me. He throws a great batting practice, and we hit and hit and uh, make sure my my body is in what I call swing shape, so that when I get to spring training, um, I, I'm I'm ready to take on the load. And uh, you get you get out here, and there's really no way to simulate in baseball the reps that are needed to get better from a game standpoint. You can't you can't hit off a machine enough. You can't take enough batting practice. You can you can do those things and try to improve a little bit, but it's not going to be near the same as getting live reps in spring training and getting live reps off pitchers. Um, there's just no way to simulate that. So I just try to get my body in baseball shape. And then when I get to spring training, now I'm working on things in the course of the game that are going to help elevate my game. So uh, it's a long winded way of answering your question by saying, no, my training is pretty much the same. Um, I work out hard in the gym uh, and then make sure my body's in baseball shape to get to spring training and improve my baseball skills. Whit Merrifield joining us on 610 Sports Radio, your home for Royals baseball. The text line informs me that uh, MLB Network had you number 77 in Major League Baseball top 100. How, do, how does that hit your ears? Well, it's better than 78. So, I mean, that's good. 78 um, is Gio yeah. Urshela, by the way. Okay. So you're yeah, slightly I mean, better than him, they say. People are going to have their opinions and, um, you know, winning, winning solves a lot of, a lot of things. And I, I don't, I don't really care what other people think of my game as long as uh, the people in, in my corner and in, in our organization believe in me and, um, and I'll, I'll continue to do my best to, to prove them right.
and that's all I really care about. And I have to believe that the guys that you interact with on the base paths and behind the plate when you're in the box, uh, they show you plenty of respect because of what you've done in this game. Is there a is there an instance that comes to mind the best sign of respect from an opposing player in your career? Um, the one the one thing that stands out to me was it was the first time I really felt like a big leaguer was my rookie year getting on first base against the Twins and having Joe Maurer come up to me and call me by my name, say, hey, Witt, I really love watching you play, man. You're a good player. And that was the first time I was like, man, that's, that's Joe Maurer. He's, he, just, he just said he likes watching me play. Right. And maybe I can play in this league. And um, that really – that was my first – uh, real welcome to the big leagues moment, and that was my favorite interaction I've had with another uh, player. What do you think? Speaking of Mauer and those, uh, his former team, the Twins. What do you think of this division as we get ready for the season? It's a good division. It's a good division. Uh, we saw, we saw last year. You know, the White Sox are doing what they're uh, they're doing their best to, to put together there. Uh, their best team and, and go after a, a pennant. Um, the twins are obviously coming off a, a couple uh, playoff runs or playoff appearances. Um, the Indians are, you got the Cy Young winner on your staff, which is never a bad thing. Um, and then playing Detroit. I mean, you know, their, their record wasn't great, but they got a lot of good young players and they added a couple pieces. So, I mean, they're no, they're not walking the park either. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a tough division. But, um, you know, we're just we're concerned with us right now. We're concerned with uh, putting together the best team that we can, getting guys performing at the level that we know they can, and um, taking that next step and really going out and, and winning games and having that be our sole focus. We're over this whole development phase. Um, it's necessary to an extent, but – we feel like we have the talent to go out and win baseball games and play late in the season. No doubt. And and I was just on our afternoon show talking about that. Um, one of the hosts, Carrington Harrison, saying, hey, c- can we now have realistic expectations for this Royals team? Can we now hold them to a certain standard where when I go to the ballpark, I expect them to win? Because, man, you know this. So many people in this community um, – they were understanding of the rebuild. They, they understood the market that we find ourselves in, and they don't want to get hurt. So maybe some fans were hesitant to buy in as 2021 is, is getting started. Um, what would your message to the fans be of, of the standard they should hold you guys to? Hold us to the standard of winning. Uh, we go, we're out there expecting to win. Um, it's like I just said, it's, it's, we're, we're past this development stage where, where we feel like we're at a point where it's time to win and we're going out there and we're expecting to win every game. And as fans, uh, you should know that you should know that from top to bottom, from ownership down to, to, to the players, we are going out there expecting to win every game. And when you come to the park, you should come to the park ready to watch a team go out and win. And if we play uh, below your standards and, and you don't, you don't think that, um, you know, we, 
played like you wanted us to play, you know, don't be scared to let us know. It's not going to hurt our feelings. We're out there to, we're out there to win games. And, um, but come out and support us because, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun team to watch and we want you to come out and support us. And it's important to players when we're out there and we see, well, I guess we can't see a full stadium, but we see a full 25% or whatever it's going to be. Um, it means a lot to us and, and it really does, um, it really does help. So I encourage you when you can get out there and watch us play. Wit, final thing. Um, it, it's a favor for my friend, another host at the station, Jay Binkley. He is fired up because of how much SEC representation is inside that Royals clubhouse with yourself, Coar uh, Singer, and the addition of Andrew Benatendi. When it comes Mike to Miner, base- don't forget about Mike Miner. Is there, so there is so there is SEC pride. It, it's not just my school and to heck with everyone else. No, no, there's definitely a there's a a brotherhood to the SEC, and it's you know from an outsider's standpoint looking in, I understand the sort of stigma behind it. Um, I grew up on Tobacco Road. I grew up an ACC uh, fan, and I I know what it's like to look from the outside in. But once you experience that culture experience that pageantry and that passion it's um it's something that sticks with you forever and it's fun to to have guys in the league that that share that you're a legend in the sec and uh becoming a legend here in kansas city in that royals uniform wit i greatly appreciate the time tonight and can't wait to see you uh hopefully sooner rather than later yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll see you out there soon. All right, man. There you go. Whit Merrifield joining us here on Vern's Hot Stove on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. We'll dive a little bit deeper into this American League Central when we get back. Vern's Hot Stove each and every Thursday night, 6 until 7 o'clock. On 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app, if you missed our conversations with Jackson Kowar or Whit Merrifield, you'll be able to find them on the Radio.com app. Just search out Vern's Hot Stove or online at 610sports.com. Head to the podcast page, on-demand page. Had a chance to talk with Brady Singer earlier today, and the thing that's really stuck out to me thus far from the first few days of camp has been uh, what Mike Matheny calls the buzz. And when he first mentioned it, man, I, it hit home because I remember that buzz building uh, ultimately culminating on that November night in Flushing 2015 Royals taking care of the New York Mets. But I remember 2013 spring training. Those guys thought they were good. They weren't sure. They thought they were good. And they went out there and won some games. Showed up in 2014. They knew that they were good, and they thought they might be good enough to win in the postseason. They weren't sure, but they thought they were. And they went out there and won a pennant. Then they showed up in 2015. They knew that they were good. They knew that they were good enough to win in the postseason, and then they just wanted blood. They just wanted to beat someone in a baseball game, and they did that. They beat everyone. The buzz this year at Royal Spring Training 
they know they're good, and they think they can win some games. It's got a 2013 feel. But it doesn't have a 2013 feel in that it's because of um, the aura of one player tapping into the confidence of a dozen others. The confidence that James Shields showed up with in 2013 tapped into Hosmer's confidence and Kane's confidence and Duffy's confidence and Guthrie and Jordano and all of these guys started saying, yeah, man, if if Wago believes in us and Skip believes in us and, and Dayton Moore believes, you know what? Yeah, let's go out there and do it with this guy at the helm. You know, Carlos Santana, Andrew Benatendi, Michael Taylor, these guys, Mike Miner, they weren't brought here to lead the way necessarily the way that James Shields was. Man, I mentioned it before. I, I do believe that there is a foundation of winners in Kansas City. I don't, I don't think Whit Merrifield needs someone uh, to show him the way over the course of the season. And I know he hasn't played in the playoffs, but you can't convince me that when the playoffs show up, you can't convince me that Whit Merrifield's not ready. You you put Whit Merrifield on a big stage, I have a strong suspicion he's going to flourish. I have that same feeling about Brady Singer. I have that same feeling about Chris Bubich, Brad Keller, Scott Barlow. We already know what Salvador Perez will do in the postseason. We already know what Andrew Benatendi and Carlos Santana and Mike Miner can do in the postseason. We know what Greg Holland can do in the postseason. Now, sure, there's a few other relievers that you can be concerned about. But I'm telling you, the mental toughness of the young guys in Singer and Bubich and of vets when it comes to Whit Merrifield, they haven't done it in October yet but it's just because a lack of opportunity put them there. And I strongly believe they'll flourish. So again, this is a team that shows up to camp that believes that they're good. Got little peaks over the course of that 60 game sprint last season that, Oh yeah, we we do have something here. Now they need to go out there and do it. And I've said for a while, 2022, that's the year where when, when I land in Arizona, Spring of 2022, the expectation is going to be clear. And the expectation's not just winning. The expectation is winning series in October. Now, how many series do you end up winning in October, man? It it depends on if you're hot. Uh, The hottest team is normally the most dangerous team come October. But this year is about adding to that foundation that already has a winner in Matheny, a winner in Witten Merrifield, a winner in Salvador Perez, Santana, Benatendi, Taylor, and the rest. It's about checking those boxes for Singer, for Dozier, for Soler. I know Soler's been a part of a winner. I'm talking about being an integral part for Bubich, for Stalmont, for Zimmer. That's what this season's about. It's about checking the boxes of Man, I came through in a big moment in a big game. Now, there's a big difference there. Because Stalmont came through in big moments last year, as did Zimmer, as did Dozier. They came through in big moments. 
But I'm talking about an early September game against the Chicago White Sox. The rubber match of a three-game weekend series. The final time those two teams will meet. Something along those lines. Coming through in that moment where your teammates are relying on you. Those are the kind of things that carry into 2022. Those are the things that you reach down deep and grab onto when the going gets tough in October. Stepping up in those big moments and picking up your teammates in big moments. To me, those are the goals of 2021. Check those boxes. Come through in a big game in a big moment. Pick up a teammate in a big moment in a big game. Because if you ever wanted to describe the 2015 World Series champion Royals, it was that. Big moments, they stepped up. And when a teammate failed, someone would pick them up rather quickly. That's the definition of a championship baseball team. So it's about checking those boxes here in 2021. Now, I hope it culminates in October baseball. And it's possible if, if, if this bullpen hits and if this rotation can find the innings. You know, I, I think the offense right now is the second best aspect of this team. I think by far the defense is their hallmark. You got a great shortstop. You got a great catcher, a very good center fielder, and a very good second baseman, which is exactly how you would draw it up. You're strong defensively up the middle. You got a solid defensive right fielder, a solid defensive left fielder, and we'll see what Dozier and Santana do on the corners of the infield. So I think the defense is the hallmark of this team. Offense is probably their second best trait. Perez is an elite catcher. Whit Merrifield is a well above, he's one of the top 50, 60 players in baseball. Carlos Santana's as consistent to first baseman over the past decade in all of Major League Baseball as you're going to find. And then Jorge Soler, we all know the power that he brings. So I think you got four elite bats as well. Base running, probably their third best facet. Merrifield's elite, Mondi's elite, Dozier's elite for his position. So it leads the questions starting pitching and relievers. Who's elite? Do you have anyone elite in this pitching staff? Keller's probably as close to being elite as anyone in a Royals uniform on that pitching staff. Who else? That, along with the ability and performance of Adalberto Mondesi, that will tell the story of the 2021 Royals. And I'll be along for the ride all season. We'll be doing this throughout spring training each and every Thursday night, 6 until 7 o'clock right here on 610 Sports Radio. Don't forget Jay Binkley coming up at 8 o'clock with Bink at night. But coming up next, it is the Bruce Weber Show right here on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. I greatly appreciate you listening. Enjoy the rest of your night, Kansas City. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 